0: Hello, uh, welcome to April's Offering. This one's called Algorithms, Rejection and Wonder. And the semi-heading, or whatever you call it, is Notes on Collecting and Rejecting Things. Uh, I typed this all out on my Mac, which is completely effed up at the moment. So uh, I couldn't really edit it. So this is just like freestyle what came out. So, let's go with it. Um, Yeah. As always, I put a quote at the beginning of every offering. And the one I picked this month was from Helen MacDonald. Someone once told me that every writer has a subject that underlies everything they write. It can be love or death, betrayal or belonging, home or hope or exile. I choose to think that my subject is love. Let's begin. In an effort to learn more about birds for one of my personal passion projects, I read a few chapters from Helen MacDonald's Vesper flights this month, which is incidentally where that quote is from. MacDonald introduces the book of essays by describing the ritual of people collecting and housing things like pieces of coral, fossils, ethnographic artifacts, cloaks, paintings, uh, musical instruments, mirrors, preserved specimens of birds and fish, mm, insects, rocks, feathers, in ornate wooden cases, known as a cabinet of curiosities or if we're translating it directly from the German description, it would be called a cabinet of wonders. And so the German word for it is Wunderkammer, which I really like, and I've been saying a lot this past month. Uh, My research led me to an entrance in which a plethora of Wunderkammer awaited. Most notably, I encountered a gold-lined stash, paying homage to the ancient Mayans and Aztecs, gathered through devotion by the Iraqi-born architect Marwan al-Sayed, his shrine to the shimmering inversions of form and space. This wonder cabinet held tiny cubes of pyrite, drops of Amani frankincense kept in a little red pouch, and a black iron bull. The ancient Mayan and Aztec civilizations would seek their future in a form of divination called scrying, by polishing slabs of pyrite until a mirror-like finish was achieved. They would gaze into the shine of these objects until visions appeared. On my hunt for relics, I kept thinking about what we keep, why we keep and in turn, what meanings, reasons and stories we create for the things that we discard and reject in our own lives. The week I arrived home from Melbourne, after reading an offering from Jessica DeRay about closing her books for tarot readings, I seriously thought a great deal about whether I should keep holding one-on-one tarot sessions myself. Doray's reasons below became a rough background sketch for me to line out my own. So, this is one, this is a paragraph on uh, some of the reasons why she uh, said that kind of provoked a lot in me. I was starting to doubt the value of what I was doing, in a way that tends to deplete me. I'd found a philosophical North Star in prioritising process over solution, and at the same time wrestled with feelings of senselessness. At my best, I'm mostly okay with not having or even seeking a solution. But I do need meaning. So there's a lot for me to unpack here. And I feel like anyone who has ever thought about changing careers has most likely experienced the full range of thoughts and emotions that comes from basically trying to determine whether what you do for the eight plus hours a day is valuable and worth keeping. Uh, The way I relate to the part about depletion, is attached to the energy expended to ensure that the readings help and give value to the people that I work with. It's a big part of my work, and I have spent days after some readings worrying whether the images and stories we discussed in a session were empowering, thought-provoking, and could be put to good use. In DeRay's book, Tarot for Change, she writes about the moon card in a way that, to me, perfectly encapsulates one of my key aims when working with the tarot. Tarot is about learning to open ourselves up to the spectrum of life experiences. The first time I had my cards read, the images and the reader presented me with a small table of earthly treasures, a sword, intellectual, a pentacle, behavioral, a cup, emotional, and a wand for desire, the magician. A portal emerged before me. And I was thrown against the rock-ribbed shores of awareness. Ten of Swords. As I pulled out each sword from my back, letting blood be spilled, the pain shuffled me closer to the truth, while the waves tore the ground up from under me, promptly uprooting my body from a situation I had felt stuck in for so long. My life changed in countless ways overnight. If I had been privy to one of the secrets tucked inside the Three of Swords back then, I might have identified that experience in my life as disappointment, embarrassment, resentment, anger, fear, and as Pima Chodron wrote about in her book, things fall apart. Instead of any of those feelings being bad news, I could have seen that period as a teacher, To locate where I was holding back for years. To get to grips with pieces that were raw, pieces that needed more heat, Ace of Wands. To coddle the parts in me that hadn't dared feel anything good, bad or exciting. Just in case. Choosing numbness over the warmth of desire is like choosing the dead over the living. Someone pointed out to me recently that the hands bursting forth from the clouds and the ace cards made them think about ghosts. That took me by surprise. And now I keep thinking about that and how, with that one description, meanings for the entire ace suit and life fattened up before me. The ace of wands in particular could symbolise a new start, a good omen for the fertility of a project or person. And when you pair it with the connotations of ghost, ghosts, could that be about the possibility of life after death? Life after a loss of meaning, a job, a lover, a home? I recently watched a documentary on a small town in America being hit by a nuclear power plant disaster, the effects of which were dead slow people getting cancer 20 years later and other tragedies. That made me reflect on the people that decided to stay, to wait it out, how they were haunted by illness, and the stretched out decay of the future they had once planned. It seems that whatever we choose, action, reaction, numbness, avoidance, things change inside of us, around us, regardless. For the families that decided to stay, the Three of Swords was all I saw when I heard them speak about why. They couldn't let go of the, of the pain, because it was the only thing tethering them to past ambitions. Sometimes destruction can seem easier to bear than investing time, energy, hope, into things you can't even name yet, things that must be born from darkness first. Experiencing the tarot through a unique psychological lens handed me an intangible permission slip as I filtered between symbols, images, memories, and grief. For the first time, I had a spiritual practice that enabled me to work with some heavy questions, feelings, experiences that I didn't know how to handle before. I used to get drunk or high or or talk about how I was fine. And trauma dump onto close friends and partners, and though I don't do any of those things anymore, I hope <laughs> uh, I'm still working with raw material, the, the, the raw materials of painful experiences, because the tarot for me isn't about healing things like grief and loss, but understanding it, seeing it, developing curiosity around it, and most of all stay staying with it in place of running away my research was and still is not focused so much on memorizing the meanings of the cards or what it meant to be a scorpio sun and rising but rather how to use it as a tool to ask questions to become a deeper listener and to develop more compassion with other people's stories as well as my own Because when you're holding on to repressed anger, or it's twin sibling depression, it can be hard to get to grips with something like compassion. With no prior knowledge or expectation of the tarot seven years ago, I had wrongfully assumed it was basically bullshit that would tell me things like when I would be rich, or what crystals would raise my frequency. And I'll be honest, a part of why I thought deeply about giving up tarot reading was related to this. In the past four years of reading, I felt like I was explaining what I wasn't as much as explaining what I was. It upset me when people asked if I was in the business of stealing fates or whether I was a mystical healer lady. I guess because I understood that I wasn't being respected or taken seriously, or seen for what I was really offering first and foremost i'm someone who is sharing a story with another person i digress instead my first tarot reading became an invitation into the chest of a poem a film or a novel that for me has always possessed the power and precision to make me feel seen that's a key theme coming up feeling seen um piercing through to the core of certain matters, three of sorts. Because tarot can articulate knowledge embedded in inarticulate knowledge, the power of stories has always jolted me in and out of experiences, more than any good science-based, data-driven, reasonable argument. I believe that collectively, we are all sort of discovering that as well as cool hard facts and statistics We do need stories in our lives that give us purpose and allow us to perform meaning. I have a few stories over the last few years of working for myself that have provoked some vital questions. I'll be vulnerable and share one of them. Just under a year ago, I was hired for an event as a tarot reader. Out of respect to who hired me and the people I worked with, I won't be mentioning anyone by name as it is not my intention or prerogative to place blame on any individual. This was my experience. I write about that night now because it plagued my self-esteem. Which more than anything speaks volumes about my perspective on things. Carrying on. I was hired to read tarot for the attendees of an evening in which a new brand was being promoted. Apart from the bar staff, I think I was one of the very few people in the building that night that was not an influencer on social media. I'm grateful to everyone that I read for and it was a good time in that regard. Um, And honestly perhaps it was my own damn fault that I held hopes of this event boosting my visibility among a different culture of people and in turn my writing and tarot reading clients organically growing. The reality was it was an event designed for influencers to promote a new brand, who were all heavily promoted by the company that employed me for the evening. I was sort of like the bar staff. There to serve and not much else. Which in both cases is kind of sad. Um, I was not promoted or posted on the main page by the brand or any of the influencers that I worked with. Honestly, I didn't feel too great about that. And what struck me was how it kind of confirmed some feelings I try not to dwell on. I felt less important because of a number at the top of my Instagram profile. The brand promoted everyone that worked there, if their followed follower count exceeded one hundred thousand followers i understand that this is that it is something subconscious in us that thinks the more popular something is the better quality it is i don't think we can be immune to that way of thinking all of the time i don't claim to be myself i'm not trying to have a fight with that system or way of thinking at this point it really does seem ineffectual to do so for now there is not really a solution for me here I'm a bit crap at social media, and as much as I relish sharing my work with people, I'm also very prone to falling off the radar a bit and getting lost in writing and books and playing with my cat for two weeks. I like to go incognito mode. It's like recharging my batteries, I don't know. It's my nature, but it doesn't render me immune to the anxiety of being kicked out by the algorithms, where my work will fall like that tree in the forest with no one around to hear or care about it. And who knows, maybe I'm a bit like Christopher Nolan's version of Batman. Maybe my work will never be appreciated in full light by a mass audience. My tarot experience experience and practice intensified about five years ago after a breakup that left me in pretty bad shape. It made sense then that I would pursue a career in something that had been a catalyst for much needed changes in my life. And such a powerful meaning-making tool for me over the last seven years. I now know that I was incredibly naive in my assumption that passion and good intentions toward reading for others would be enough. It makes sense to build a body of work. Some... I mean, it makes sense. It takes time to build a body of work. And some people do go viral and they earn a living from it but that is not the norm aside from my dealings with insecurity it's been quite a ride if i'm honest five years ago i was working in uninspiring offices afraid to talk to people on the phone afraid to meet people go on dates go to exhibitions alone and show people my writing my life just isn't like that anymore I can't imagine not working as a tarot reader for the foreseeable future. I've still got lots to do and learn there. It was essential for me to take stock this month and go deeply through feelings and thoughts playing on a loop in the background that I'm not quite sure what to do with yet. The moon. (laughs) I've scattered a few solid points from Doré's offering below. Delving into what she believes a good story consists of and how she teaches people to have conversations with the tarot cards. After all, we are made up of bundles and bundles of stories. So it seems like a good idea to get a decent foothold on what a good story looks and feels like. Good stories activate. They have to do with possibility, things wished for or imagined. When I think of all the times I've had big choices to make, about all the lists I've made, the quantifying rogue research, the measuring, reasoning and logics, I don't think it was ever those things that got me moving. It's not to say they weren't an important part of the story, but it tends to be the stories I'm telling and hearing and co-creating that spur me from one place to the next. And lastly... A good story is an invitation to wonder, to be hot and cold in the lives of many truths who are courting you, vying for your heart all at once. And if you feel torn or at odds or uncertain who to trust, you've got a good story. Which to say one that is lifelike, one that's working to become more and more adequate to the ongoing complexity of life. A final bit on wonder. A typical wonder karma shelf does not have a place, a A plate of protective glass between the person and objects. It is effectively an open door for people to pick up and handle the objects, feel their textures, their weights, their particular strangeness, an invitation to explore, search for meaning, to comb through items carefully found, preserved and cherished. For their individual qualities. With much of our lives spent in front of glass screens, it has become increasingly difficult to get to grips with what we are holding on to and what we are letting go of. I personally harbour a hunger to feel connected and mentally stimulated and emotionally fulfilled by the things I interact with and I want them to be tethered to desires I have not what the profit-led algorithms would like to convince me are mine. My therapist asked me recently what I would miss if AI AI took over and became some weird sci-fi movie like Blade Runner. I told her that as someone who had spent lots of time in my life alone, from my experience, nothing could take the place of the physical connection between people's bodies and that if I spent too much time in my head, my outlook on life soon turned bleak. In a book about wonder karma from around the world, author Todd Williams confesses to having an almost pathological hoarding instinct, which drove his interest in collecting. He says, Objects are our ballast. They help to keep us grounded, They make us feel secure in our own histories. They are chosen by intuition and curated and ordered in ways that answer only to our own wandering logic. My tarot practice with myself and others invited me to slow things down a bit, to crawl inside spaces that encourage conversations around meaning making. The validity of free will. And the types of things I'd only butcher if I attempted to put into words. But put it this way. A deck of cards would be on my shelf. In my personal wonder karma. Without a doubt. What would be in yours? I'll end with a Charles Bukowski poem. The tragedy of leaves. I uh, I came across it recently. And it neatly captured the duality of Aries season, in my opinion. Which, in tarot speak, could be symbolized by the entire Ace suit. Ace of Wands, energy for passion and growth. Ace of Pentacles, initiation into different places. Ace of Swords, new thoughts and ideas. Ace of Cups. The power of love. I awakened to dryness and the ferns were dead, the potted plants yellow as corn. My woman was gone, and the empty bottles like bled corpses surrounded me with their uselessness. The sun was still good, though. And my landlady's note cracked in fine and undemanding yellowness. What was needed now was a good comedian ancient style, a jester, with jokes upon absurd pain. Pain is absurd because it exists, nothing more. I shaved carefully with an old razor, the man who had once been young and said to have genius. But that's the tragedy of the leaves, the dead ferns, the dead plants. And I walked into a dark hall, where the landlady stood, execrating and final, sending me to hell, waving her fat, sweaty arms and screaming, screaming for rent. Because the world has failed us both. Thank you for being here. See you next month.